Hello, you're listening to the Equippers International podcast short version where we are spending time in the book of Hebrews. In this episode, we're in chapter two. We're going to pick up in the middle of verse three. In the last episode, I talked about how the writer was giving a final conclusion to all of chapter one where he talks about Jesus coming and being higher than the angels in his capacity as the son of God. And he says that if we have this kind of message and this kind of messenger, then we need to be very diligent. We need to be vigilant in receiving the message that has been brought to us. And this is the message that the writer is delivering to his readers, and it's the message that he's delivering to us. So he says there at the end of verse 3 that we do not need to neglect so great a salvation. And then he comments on this salvation. Literally, he's making a connection between the gospel message, the proclamation of the salvation plan of God for mankind. He says there in the middle of verse 3, after it was at first spoken through the Lord, that's a reference to the ministry of Jesus, where Jesus came onto the scene and began to proclaim the good news of salvation. He says, Secondly, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Now, this would be a reference to the apostolic testimony of the New Testament, that message of the gospel and salvation that's recorded through the epistles of the New Testament. Those letters, not the gospels, not the book of Acts, but all the rest of the letters of the New Testament that are written to the churches and the believers of that time. And he says, very interesting statement in verse 4 that we're going to focus on this morning. God also testifying with them. So there's this beautiful reference to not only was Jesus appearing as a man and proclaiming the good news, and not only were the apostles carrying on the proclamation of that good news, but God himself was testifying with them. And look how he says God testifies, both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Wow, it's a beautiful, beautiful verse about the activity of God through power and signs and wonders and miracles and gifts to testify along with those who are proclaiming the gospel. Now I want to comment in a little more detail in regards to this idea of signs and wonders and miracles. I want to start by giving a disclaimer. And the disclaimer is, I believe in the power of God. I believe God shows himself powerful through signs, through wonders, through miracles, through healings, through deliverances, through the gifts of the Spirit, any way that God can and does move in power, I believe in it. And I believe it's important that we form our understanding of how God works in the supernatural in such a way that it brings life and peace and not in such a way that it brings striving and performance. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that I really can't think of anything else related to the Christian life that leads to more confusion and more misunderstanding in the lives of believers than the area of miracles and signs and wonders. Why does God not do what I pray for him to do? Why does God not always heal? Is it God's will for him to 
always heal? And these are big questions. And in a 10-minute episode, it's going to be very difficult for me to answer them. But I just want to put them in context. And I want to read some scriptures. And I just want to outline what I believe to be a basic understanding. I won't answer all the questions. But I hope to give you a starting point to begin to develop your understanding of how you see God in regards to the supernatural. So from what I see in Scripture... First, God testifies through the working of miracles and signs and wonders to the person of Jesus. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst. First and foremost, God is actively involved through the life of Jesus when he was on the earth to show himself powerful so that Jesus would be seen for who he really was, the Son of God. Listen to what Jesus says himself in John chapter 5, verse 36. The testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John, for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me, and the Father has sent me. And then again in John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38, he says, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe in me. But if I do them, though you do not believe in me, believe in the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Even Jesus recognized that the works were something outside of himself. It was something that the Father was doing, yes, through him, but it was something that the Father was initiating. You remember in his own admission, he says, I can do nothing unless the Father's doing it. So we see this direct link between the working of signs and wonders and miracles, first and foremost, to the testimony of Jesus and the writer of Hebrews also tells us that he also testified through those who heard and testified. So he's now saying that God testified through signs and wonders through the apostles. And I believe that we can go a step further and we can conclude that God will at times testify for the purpose of testifying regarding his son through us as we are proclaiming Jesus, as we are showing Jesus and we are loving on people and we're proclaiming the gospel in word or deed, God will testify and confirm who Jesus is. But that is the primary reason why God works in power. Now, I want to take one other little thought and just finish up with this. I want to comment on what I believe to be the interpretation of a very famous passage in Isaiah 63. It's in verse 4 and 5. Let me read. He says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed." Now, this is a verse that is taken many times, and people have preached it to say that because Jesus suffered on the cross, then our physical healing, they interpret that chastening for our well-being, fell upon him, and we were healed. 
And they say that that's the scripture that we can look to to say that it is God's will because it's part of the finished work of Christ on the cross that it's God's will for all people to be healed. I don't want to take issue with anyone, but I just want to offer my own interpretation. A key verse to look at in understanding Isaiah 63 is 1 Peter 2. He says in 24 and 25, He did not revile in return while suffering. He uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And listen to what he says, For by his wounds you were healed. In context, it's simply a reference to the sins that he bore in his body, that it was the healing of our sinful condition that was accomplished at the cross. He goes on to say, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The greatest and ultimate healing in any person is the healing of their sinfulness, being brought from a place of sinful brokenness into a place of righteousness, into a place of right standing with God. Now, in the process of the human life, will there be suffering? Yes. Will there be sickness? Yes. Can God heal it? Yes. But does God always heal it? No. Is it a promise that God is always going to heal it in Scripture? I don't believe so. But I believe if we don't establish some understanding based on the Scripture that brings peace to our heart, then it can surely lead us to a place of unpeace and a place of striving where we really struggle in our relationship with God. Now, I've written a series of questions here, simple yes, no questions. I want to read them and leave you with these thoughts today. I hope I can encourage us to find a mature and peaceful place in our understanding of how God works in the supernatural. First, is God able to work miracles? Yes. Can we work miracles at any time we want to? No. Should we pray and believe God to work miracles? Yes. Should we become frustrated or disillusioned when we don't see God work in miracles? No. Should we lose our peace and try to figure out why God is, quote, not answering our prayer, end quote? No. Should we try to develop any understanding of God that attempts to hold Him responsible to act and to do according to our understanding and not according to His own will? No. Can we love and trust God for who he is if we don't see him do what we want him to do? Yes. Now I want to end with this little phrase at the end of these verses. According to his own will. It's such a powerful little phrase. God does what he does according to his own will. Coming to a place where we can live believing that God's will is good, that God's will is right. I would never say anything about God's will being that someone should suffer. That is not what this is about. This is about getting to a higher place where we trust God's heart, that he does what he does because he is who he is, and we can have peace in knowing him in that way.
Be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.